Yes, you know, the announcement today is that the auxiliary bishop of Los Angeles was attacked and probably murdered, that's what they're saying. So we, we pray for the repose of his soul and that such evil will not run rampant in our country. When you fast, wash your face. Be a good cheer. And what you do, you do it to your, for your Father in secret. Name the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. My brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus, our Lord, this is the last Sunday before the great fast, which starts tomorrow. And uh, I think everybody that's here knows the rules of the fast. The monks know what we do. And uh, the deacon, he fasts more like a monk. And Elizabeth, she follows what we do. So there's no need for me to tell you that you should give up meat, dairy products, and above all, give up our, sin, our sinful ways, that we purify our, not only our bodies but our souls through fasting from evil. So today is a farewell to cheese, cheese fair. And we said a little cheese today, but I think most of our cheese is gone, which is a good thing. Don't have things in the house which are temptations for you. I'm chagrined to hear of the death of a Catholic auxiliary bishop, but Los Angeles has always been sort of a dangerous place to be in. We have uh, one parish there, and then we have one in Fontana, which is sort of a suburb of uh, Los Angeles. I pray that those people will be okay. These days, um, the Lenten fast is apostolic. It goes back to the apostles. And it was a 40 days of purification. That's not unusual in the early church to have days of purification. It's not unusual to have people who are in need of purification. Because the gospel, although it's preached a lot, is not heard. We need a big dose of the Holy Spirit in the United States to wash over us and cleanse us and fulfill our hearts with divine desire, faith, hope, and love, and above all, discipline. The deacon was telling me uh, so many children Three teenagers are, uh, are killing themselves. When I was growing up, that was pretty well unheard of. And until recently, it's pretty well unheard of. But it's a symbol of a great sign, actually, of a loss of hope. Uh, people, when they 
have no hope in the future. Uh, they give up on their civilization, education, the church, and they don't realize that Christ came as the King of Peace and Hope. The most important thing that we can do now is witness to the gospel of Jesus Christ and say, no matter how poor your conditions are, there's always hope. I remember my mother always telling me that there's always hope. And somehow, God had always come through, at least in my life, and helped me. So I've had what I think is a very graced and successful life. And uh, after all that, I realized that the world <clears throat> promises you everything but gives you nothing. And what it promises you is actually destructive, self-destructive. So they say, well, you can have all sorts of sex and you can take drugs and you can overeat and you can go to lavish parties and you can live a wild life and it won't harm you. It's your right. It's not your right to destroy yourself. So today, this week, and in the, in the commentary of, on the liturgy in Matins, we're learning about, it always starts, about the Garden of Eden. And uh, <clears throat> Adam was created uh, graced, but not completely graced, that he could not have a free will. And so he had choices to make. Unfortunately, whatever Adam did, we inherit. So Adam lost his garment of grace. And so he was eventually pushed out of the garden. And when he left the garden, he and Eve, they left the good gifts. The gifts of grace, the life of God in them, the gifts of knowledge between good and evil, they call it the tree of good and evil. And they left the possibility of heaven they lost everything. Sad to say. So we Christians, following the teaching of the fathers, try to restore the robe of grace by baptizing our children and adults. But just like Adam in the garden, it does not take away free will nor your propensities, which you gained after Adam fell, towards misbehavior, excesses, greed, sexual licentiousness. I'm not going to go on and on. So it was up to your own free will to decide what you were going to choose. One of the gifts that was given to you and is given to you also in baptism is the ability to pray. 
and then you were consecrated in chrismation with priestly gifts. Finally, you were brought to the ultimate prayer by Christ, the Eucharist. But you still have to live a disciplined life to benefit from all these gifts. You still have to say no to evil. Our situation in the United States today is that evil has become a way of life. We watch movies, we read the newspapers, not very much good goes on, we listen to the radio. They're always telling us the effects of original sin, that's the news. But I think there are also good people in this world. And today on Forgiveness Sunday, we ask of each other forgiveness in a way when we fail to serve each other and if any way we've harmed you. And I ask that of all of you here today. Please forgive me. I too have blind spots. I too am subject to original sin. I too need God's grace to keep me in line and sometimes I go off the edge but I pray for you that you will not go off the edge our young candidates here they're going to be attacked of all the good things of the world and what you have to give up to really live for God a monastic vocation is a gift to God. But by taking your vows, you say you're going to be chaste, your hope is in God, and you're going to be obedient, especially to the gospel and God and to your abbot. Sometimes we don't like what the abbot says. Many times I did not like or care about Decisions were made when I was in the military, or especially what the bishop was saying. But I kept my mouth shut because these things were the will of God for me. An opportunity to be obedient is an opportunity of grace. During the great season of Lent, we have this gift of prayer and fasting. Christianity in the United States is a, a lie because they tell the people, oh, God will forgive you. He doesn't mind. They think he's the big Santa Claus in the sky. That's not true. He expects you to live a disciplined life. I learned that long ago. All my life has been disciplined. If I didn't do, keep the rules, and work hard, I could get nowhere. But the devil was laughing. Oh, go ahead, Joe, do what you want. God will forgive you. God has given you each talent, and he's given you the drawing energies he expects you not to squander them. All around us, people are squandering life. Whatever harm came to the auxiliary archbishop, 
is a squandering of life and goodness of a man who is proclaiming the gospel to people who are on the track to hell. They were not doing good. They were harming others. They were destroying our society. Sometimes we older people remember our youth. I remember uh, when I came to Seattle and I built the first church there, Byzantine Catholic Church, and how happy a time it was. It was not that I was always without sin, but I was graced to do this job for God, and I frequented the sacrament of penance at least monthly and talked to the confessor about it. Some confessors are pretty good, they just give, but they give you absolution and that's it. They should talk to you and encourage you. But they said you're not supposed to give counseling in confession, which is true. But I think you can give a word of, of, of uh, encouragement. So all these years of hearing confessions, people are pretty much alike, you know. They're all fallen. They're all laboring under original sin. But you remember the light and grace of God is in the world. Sometimes, and I don't usually talk about confessions, I don't talk about people who went to confession. It was really a tragedy to listen to that person's confession. On one occasion, a young man came to confession. He wasn't out of our parish. And he was perspiring sort of profusely. And he came in. I figured he has courage to come here. And he had a straight line of sins. And I said to him, I mean serious sins. I said to him, where did you learn all this? He said, from my mother. Who's the sinner? Who brought him to this state of degradation? And now he trembles before God seeking forgiveness. Sometimes they tell the story, I think I read it in Dostoevsky, of a student and he was going to school and his mother had saved money. She was a widow and she saved money so he could go to school get an education, and better himself in the world. She wanted a better life for him. So at the college he went to in Russia, he, had, he met a friend, very nice fellow, good-looking, sharp, dressed properly for the time. He says, well, why don't we go out somewhere and this and that? He says, okay. So he went out with them a few times, only each time they went out, the entertainment they went to was worse than the first, worse than the second, worse than the third. And his mother asked him, who, are, who is this gentleman you are keeping company with? He says, oh, it's just a friend from college. So she did not 
you know, question him too much further because she trusted him. We should not trust our children. We should love them and keep them from harm. And we should know who their friends are and what they're doing. And we shouldn't give them money, hard-earned money, to entertain themselves. Let them earn their own money. Let them learn. For education, yes. Not for fun and games. So anyway, the mother died. And uh, his friend came to see him. Oh boy, he was happy. Mom died. Said, oh, my mother died. Oh, and he would never go in the house before. Let's go in the house. And of course he saw in the house the dining room table with four candles on it where they had laid her out. And he looked around and the gospel was there open and he disappeared like magic. Who was he? You know who he was. Why do you want to listen to such people? Why do you want to entertain these thoughts that come from them on the computer, on the television, on the radio. It's hardly safe to go to any of these things for information because it's all, for the most part, bad. The heroes of our society are not good people. They are not God's people. They are not Christian people. And they do not know the gospel. I met lots of people because scripture, they like to quote scripture to me, trying to reform me. They're probably from the devil. Uh, and well, they choose their text very well, but they don't know the Bible. You chose a few texts for them and they are very upset. They don't want to deal with those texts. So I was reading yesterday in a little spiritual book that uh, one of the things we should do as Christians is have a pocket New Testament. And uh, when we go anywhere and we're idle, just pick out the New Testament and read it. I've uh, done that sometimes, but I usually do is what I put in the little Bible. And then I read other spiritual books, which I like to take with me. But that would put you in a good influence. The only problem with that is the devil is going to discourage you and make bore you with that. Evil is rampant even in America. Today's death is proof of that. Somebody splendid, a priestly person, an archpriest, was trying to destroy gangs in Los Angeles, doing good, was himself destroyed. The devil is working overtime. But there was rejoicing in heaven. If you really love anybody, don't let them go their way and come into harm's way. But try to teach them as best you can the good way the way of the gospel. 
They may reject you for a while, but sooner or later you will get to them, especially as they live and mature and maybe bad things happen to them. They may reconsider, I'm really not going the right way. So I was talking to Deacon today about when we were building the church in Seattle and uh, Elizabeth uh, picked up a pamphlet about it. She was showing it to me yesterday. Those were happy times. Because we were building a church, the parish was growing, new people, new babies, new baptisms, and people were living Christian lives according to the understanding and tradition of the East, which I always think is the best because it's the earliest because it's the apostolic tradition. Unfortunately, there are too few of us to preach. Uh, people don't want to give time to God. This monastery is never filled on Sunday. Occasionally it's filled with some happening or a funeral or something because it takes time. It takes time to be alone with God and grow in holiness. It's not exactly pleasant when God tells you you're wrong. But once you correct your conscience, and once you in yourself, you're very happy. I was very happy doing God's will. I still went to confession. I still had problems. But I was so very happy how he gave me that beautiful work to do. It was like a dream that came true. I often thought of myself, it'd be lovely to, you know, build little churches along the road, little Byzantine churches for the worship of God, to give the wealth of the Christian East to the people in the West. And some, by some miracle, I did achieve that in a small way. People were amazed. They took bets about me that I would not succeed. I did not believe them. I believed I would succeed if I said my prayers and did God's will. In the moment of greatest temptation, in the moment of greatest discouragement, put your hope in God. Say your prayers and you will be a victor. Don't listen to the evil or the evil that goes on in the world. Bishop uh, Kurt, he's a parish priest in Fontana, and I visited him, was there one time, and uh, Fontana is sort of a mill town, but it's sort of gone, it's sort of shot now, because the factory's closed, and so it's a very struggling parish. And he was there, and uh, he said to me, maybe he's a prophet, he says, you know, he says, nobody can be converted in Los Angeles. It's difficult. I said, why? I always believe there's conversions everywhere. He says, evil is here. And I didn't really think too much about that. In fact, I picked up a newspaper that was on the, the coffee table in the living room. In the back, I looked at it in the ads. The ads were all about how to do sins. 
bad company, theft, gambling, uh, eating too much. Eat simple, live simple, and love greatly God. I hope your heart is in pain for your love of God and that you say to myself, God, I just don't love her like I should. Remember Augustine, the great sinner. In the end of his life, he said, Late have I loved thee. Don't be too late. And drag some other people with you to a loving place of God, where there's no pain, sorrow, or mourning, but life everlasting. And the virtue of hope reigns in your heart. Name the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.